You are now listening to a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to Disney Podcast family on Instagram to see all the latest posts for this show and links to other great Disney podcasts. To Force Friday, a spin-off podcast of Walt's apartment. With me tonight is Jade. Hello, everyone. And this is Amber. And we're going to talk about Star Wars Rebels, the animated series, tonight for a little while. Um, mostly because there's a lot of rumors happening right now around characters from this series maybe coming in in some capacity with the live-action Disney Plus series to come. Um, so we thought we'd break things down just a little bit, give you some little teasers of um, some of these episodes you might want to watch um, that are some of our favorites. All of them. <laughs> yes, watch all of them. But there are a few that are, you know, pretty pivotal, pivotal mm-hmm. in what we will see probably in the future. And that obviously played some kind of role in The Mandalorian already. Yep. Show. Um, and if you're wondering about some of the other series, like the Clone Wars, we've already done a Star Wars special on the Clone Wars way back when under Knights of the Rogue Republic. Um, it was a, also a Star Wars spinoff podcast of Walt's apartment's previous namesake, the Decast. So you can still find all of those on iTunes and whatever. So if you want to learn more about uh, the Clone Wars as well. Um, we did a whole like hour and a half or something ridiculous on the Clone Wars. So <laughs> check that out. All right, diving in. So, Star Wars Rebels is an animated TV series that's set during the time frame between Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith and Episode 4 A New Hope. Approximately 14 years after Revenge and about four to five years prior to A New Hope. Um, they began an airing in October of 2014. There were four seasons. It was created, of course, by the beloved Dave Filoni, uh, Simon Kinberg, and Carrie Beck. Rebels was the first new major Star Wars project to be released following Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilms in 2012. So this was kind of the first new canon um, that we got out of um, kind of the Star Wars-Disney partnership. Uh, the series follows kind of a motley group of rebels who live aboard a starship called the Ghost. It's a light freighter um, as they fight against the evil Galactic Empire, of course. Um, and the crew eventually helps um, give rise to the Rebel Alliance. So, <laughs> this series... Um, kind of centers around younger characters, um, a few of them being teenagers, and then some maybe sort of parental or guidance kind of figures, but really I think it centers most on the younger 
characters in a way. Yeah, for the most part. So Ezra Bridger. He's the one we are introduced to kind of in the first episode. Mm-hmm. You kind of see Ezra Bridger as a young kind of scum little kid on Lothal running around stealing stuff, kind of being, you know, kind of like you saw Han Solo in his younger years mm-hmm. in the beginning of his movie, kind of, you know, just doing what he could to survive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, later, we come to find out that his parents were killed by the Empire, and then even later, come to find out they were killed by the Empire because they were resisting the Empire's rule. So, you know, that kind of gives mm-hmm. him a little backstory in why he hated the Empire for, you know, more than just taking over his planet to build ships for the Empire and leaving him to fend for himself after killing his parents. But, <laughs> yep. yep, you kind of see him running around Lothal, stealing fruit, and mm-hmm. then... How he was introduced to the group on the ghost is he sees them kind of starting to steal some little crates from the Empire and he kind of hijacks something that they were hijacking and they chase him down and then he like stows or tries to get on their ship or something after the Empire was chasing them and then, you know. Pretty much joins up. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So he's 15 when we first see him. Um and it said that his parents died eight years before that. So he'd been pretty much living on the street, um, just trying to make it on his own for eight years um, since he was a small child. So that kind of gives you an idea of the scrappiness that's needed, um, you know, the creativity and the initiative to survive that he had, um, you know, where he doesn't have many scruples, really. Like he does what he needs to survive, um, but not necessarily in like a bad way. Yeah, like you see in one of the episodes where he stole some fruit from a guy mm-hmm. who was selling it on the street, and then the Empire comes up and is like, something along the lines of, do you have some kind of something that allows you to sell this? And then, like, he takes one of their comms and says, there's a code, whatever, mm-hmm. in this area. So they're like, you get off this time. Mm-hmm. And they let the guy go, but then he obviously takes his cut of some of the fruit that mm-hmm. he helped that guy keep and runs off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he ends up being kind of best friends with Sabine and Zeb. Which are also characters uh-huh. of the ghost crew. So we'll get to them now. Um, it's also good to note here that Ezra is force sensitive. Yes. <laughs> um, when we first meet him, that's not completely obvious, but you kind of get the vibe. Um, it's not until he meets Kanan Jarrus on the ghost, who is a Jedi that survived Order 66. Um, prior to the rise of the Empire, he was a Padawan, and he survived um, when his master was killed. Um, so it kind of compelled him to go into hiding from the Empire, um, joining up at some point with the Ghost. Um, but he's kind of, like, uses his Force ability, but he's not, like, outwardly Jedi-like, I guess, right yeah, away. he doesn't showboat it because he doesn't want the Empire to know that he is a Jedi, until it's absolutely necessary. So he actually holds his lightsabers on, in two pieces that can be connected if need be. So it's not like it doesn't, you see it, you wouldn't think, oh, it's a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of the point, because he's kind of in hiding. Yep. And he also uses a blaster. Yep. So his lightsabers are kind of like a last resort almost. Yep. Um, so he kind of ends up helping mentor Ezra in the use of the Force, um, and then kind of him and Hera, which we'll talk about next, 
um, who's the pilot of the ghost, they serve as kind of the group's leaders. Um, so Hera, Sandula, the Twi'lek pilot and veteran of um, the Resistance. Um, she, quote, owns and pilots the ghost, although it seems like she maybe didn't acquire it legally. <laughs> um, independent, very strong-minded, that kind of strong motherly type, I would say, or like big sister kind of vibe yeah. going. That's the kind of sense you get from her throughout the show, that she's kind of like mothering all of, even even Zeb, that's like kind of an older guy. <laughs> Yeah, Zeb's a little older, but, um, you know, he is best friends with Ezra and Sabine. So, like, his playful, more um, youthful persona fits better with them. Mm -hmm. Although he's mean as shit when he needs to be. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we'll talk about him in a minute. (laughs) Um, So, she's a very skilled pilot um, who fights against the Empire for many reasons. Um, Though she's not Force-sensitive, her skills as a pilot and gunner put her pretty on par with the Force users that we see. Um, A little backstory on her. I forget her dad's name exactly, but he's, like, one of the rulers of the Twilight people. And, obviously, they fought a lot in the Clone Wars. And you actually see her father and some of his followers that are later seen in Rebels in the Clone Wars... And you kind of get some backstory on him, but you don't actually see her in the Clone Wars, but you do find out later that that is her father Mm -hmm. later in the series when they end up going there. And yeah. Yep. She's also fluent in binary. So you'll see chattering away. Um, Ah, yes. With the chopper. (laughs) With the chopper. Which we'll talk about in a minute. (laughs) Okay. So then there's Sabine Wren. Uh, she's a Mandalorian. She is an explosive expert at only 16. Um, she's also kind of, you know, out there on her own, has kind of run away from home. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit more. But um, she's an artist, particularly graffiti. So she's very apparent by her armor. Like she has a very unique, always in every season armor compared to maybe other Mandalorians that you've seen so far. Even in the Mandalorian itself, hers are very customized. Yeah, she has spray paint, little logos on it, and she also kind of shows her graffiti when she tags somewhere of the empires that they hit. And so, like, the empire kind of has tabs on this graffiti rebel cell. Yeah, uh uh-huh. So when, speaking of the graffiti, the Mandalorian popped up for the last season and we saw the first planet where they go with the fight scene, there's all that graffiti on the walls, like... Totally peeping that hard to see if there were any kind of signature pieces there, but nothing super stood out at me as being Sabine's. But I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Maybe a stretch, but I thought that was, oh, maybe. But nope, no such luck. So she was in the Imperial Academy. When uh, Mandalore was taken over by the Empire, you know, the whole Dark Days of Mandalore where they... basically went in and took control of everything once they first took power. And Sabine's family, the Wrens, were one of, like, the top families, and they kind of joined the Empire and said, okay, we'll help you. So she obviously joined one of their academies, and she was in weapons development, and she actually created a weapon that 
could kill Mandalorians using, I'm not really sure exactly, but it basically Energy. seared the person inside of the armor because obviously Beskar is really hard to destroy, so you can't really shoot right through it. But she created a weapon that could kill Mandalorians. And after some inner deliberation, she decided to run away from the Empire trying to destroy all her work so they couldn't get a hold of it and use it against her people. Yeah, I think that's toward... I should have put that episode in our, our ones to talk about. Um, because, yeah, she was captured, and they wanted her to finish the weapon for them, basically. It wasn't mm -hmm. finished when she ran away, and they kind of needed her expertise on it. Um, yeah. And they're able to still target Mandalorians, but not kill them with this weapon. And they needed her to, like, turn it up a notch or whatever to, to get there. Um and instead, she betrays them, of course, <laughs> at, the, at the potential yeah. own peril to her own life and turns the weapon on to target Stormtrooper armor instead. Yeah. Some kind of targeting system for the type of material used in their armor. So it would only affect them. Mm -hmm. So obviously the Empire really wanted a weapon that could only be used against Mandalorians because they are formidable opponents. Mm -hmm. So I always have wondered now since is were they able to recreate that weapon? And mm -hmm. that's kind of some of that shadowing, foreshadowing that happens in The Mandalorian with their people being mostly annihilated. Like, Well, I think in The Mandalorian, they are referring to the Empire coming and destroying their land and taking everything. And that was kind of a... Or was it? You know, I'm going to have to think about that. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those things that we haven't got a lot of information about yet. Yeah. Um, so then we come to Zeb. Um, which he has a full other name that I don't remember how to say exactly. Garazeb Aurelius. Aurelius. Um, yeah, I think it's Garazeb Aurelius. And he's a Lassat warrior. Lassat. Lassat. <laughs> See, I know I don't remember how to say it. Lassat <laughs> warrior. Um, and he was actually a pretty well known or key member mm -hmm. of some guard on his planet. Yes, he um, was high up in the military ranks. They might have not called it the military, but you kind of... He doesn't like talking about it. He doesn't talk about what happened to him before he joined the ghost crew. But you kind of get to see a glimpse of that once he finds some of his people and gets them to safety. And one of the older ladies kind of touches on how great of a warrior he was and how he led her people. And, like, you can mm -hmm. kind of tell that he feels guilty about what happened to his people because he was probably a leader and he couldn't do anything to stop it. Yeah. Um, it's noted that he, his species was one of the very first to rise up against the Empire, um, which, of course, responded by massacring his entire homeworld, mm -hmm. um, you know, leaving him kind of angry and gruff demeanored, um, but still found ways um, to fight against them. Yes, I think of his people as kind of like the Wookiee people, where mm -hmm. they were kind of a main target of the Empire, just like Mandalore, because... They're threats. They're threats. Mm -hmm. and they're powerful. So, of course, the Empire wanted to take them out first, especially when they... His people rose up against them. Yeah. So he's a big dude. He's yeah. like, you know, the biggest on the crew, kind of like the muscle... He is muscular, large, like Wookiee size. Yeah. I don't know if we ever see him with a Wookiee or not. I don't, I don't think so. Um, but like big. Yeah, big, you know, one of the tall. He's. I kind of always thought of him as the Chewbacca of the ghost. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but so he's a very fearsome um, and but highly educated mm -hmm. um, as well. So, 
But then he's also kind of goofy and, and funny and yeah, goof, goofs around with Ezra and Sabine, so. Yeah, they always have, like, a brotherly dynamic where they, like, hate each other and then they're, like, all buddy and pally and then mm-hmm. hate each other again type of thing. Yeah, and him and Ezra are always fighting with Chopper. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of the comedy relief through all of the seasons is is the banter and the kind of animosity almost in a way with <laughs> them and Chopper. So that brings us, of course, to Chopper. He's an astromech droid, a C-110P, uh, built from spare parts. Um, Chopper's pretty, uh, I don't know if I would say irritable, but maybe cantankerous. Yeah, maybe. Stubborn for sure. Um, could give a crap less about humans, <laughs> except for maybe Hera. Yeah, because Hera kind of rebuilt him after mm-hmm. he was partially destroyed, right? When her plane crashed towards the beginning of the Empire's rule. No, no, no. I think it was during the Clone Wars, actually. I forget exactly, but basically Hera rebuilt him from practically nothing so he has a connection yeah they're (laughs) tight (laughs) um but that doesn't mean he listens to hair all the time it's true (laughs) um so of course in typical droid fashion he's essential to saving the group many times from dangerous situations Mm -hmm. um gotta love the droids so then that brings us to a few honorable mentions who maybe aren't part of the main cast um, that, you know, pop in and out, have some pivotal roles, um, one of which is Ahsoka. Otherwise known at the beginning of the series as, plug your ears if you haven't watched it yet and you plan on watching it, Fulcrum. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, she kind of was a Fulcrum agent for the beginning start of the rebellion, and she kind of provided crucial intel to the ghost, Hera mainly, and then Later on, her identity is revealed as being Ahsoka. And yeah, mm-hmm. you kind of get to see some cool things of Ahsoka's story in the Rebel series. You actually see quite a bit of her. Mm-hmm. So what would her age be around this time of Rebels? Let's see. I think about 16 and then... I'd say she's probably like almost 30 maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. So this puts it like... Um... Well, she was like a... Mm. 15 years before we see her again in The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. This is estimates, people. I'm I'm no mathematical expert. I can't remember <laughs> off the top of my head. So we're ballparking it here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'd say maybe like <laughs> mid-20s, 30 maybe. Because she was like a younger teenager in The Clone Wars. Yeah, young, young. Yeah. So, okay. So we see her come back um, in this for a limited time. Um, and then, you know, we have some pretty iconic last imagery of her, um, at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so we'll get to that. Um, and then there's Hondo Anaka, who is now highly represented in Galaxy's Edge. Um, <laughs> so if you want to know where kind of he, his shenanigans, he was in the Clone Wars yep. as well. He was in the Clone Wars quite a bit as kind of a pirate scum kind of but he kind of has a nice back and forth with anakin skywalker in that where he's kind of like not an enemy but not an ally it just kind of depends on the episode type of thing and then he pops up again in the rebel series and kind of has the same type of relationship in my opinion with ezra Mm -hmm. betrays them on one hand and then on another hand helps them another time yeah exactly that whole back and forth stuff 
It's kind of like whatever helps Hondo. But you kind yeah. of get to see more in the Rebel series him build like more of a deeper connection with Ezra. So he kind of tends to do the right thing for Ezra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have the antagonists, the villains-ish of the bunch, if you will. Um, Grad Admiral Thrawn, I feel like it's probably the most prominent mm-hmm. antagonist. Uh, rivaled by Maul, depending on the season, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but as far as from the Empire perspective. Yeah. Empire perspective, definitely Thrawn. Yeah, Grand Admiral Thrawn. So, um, he is a master strategist. He's, um, blue-skinned, um, red glowing eyes, so you'll recognize him, um, if people claws play him from a mile away, it's great. <laughs> um, anyway, so he's known kind of for his ability to wage war um, in a very analytical, strat- you know, strategic way, like mm-hmm. a game of chess. Um, like he does all his re- research on his opponent. He knows everything about mm-hmm. them, about their people, their, like, just everything. He, You can kind of, like, see that in the episodes, but I mean, as... You know, he read the books that that's kind of his whole entire backstory, but you kind of mm-hmm. even pick up on it on the series end of it because, like, that episode with Hera where she goes back to get her family's prize totem where each generation adds a new piece to it. So it's like a family heirloom, and one of the guards just kind of dismisses her when she's taking it. It's like, oh, whatever. And he's like, wait, stop. I know what that is. And, like, captures her because he knew that information. So he's mm-hmm. like... He does his homework on his enemy. Yeah, and he's an art expert as well. Like you mentioned, it wasn't just a totem, but it Mm -hmm. was like an art piece almost of the people. So he studies planets and beings and cultures based on their art, and that's how he knows his enemy. Um, And he's able to figure out all of these things by um, just a culture's art. Uh, And it gets really in-depth in that in some of his books, and it's super cool um, the way that they describe his mind working. So he is one of my favorite villains, if you can't tell. Um, (laughs) Love all of his books. So it's kind of cool that um, the pre-canon or Legends novels that had Thrawn, um, I think the Rebel series did a really good job of um, continuing that character in a really real way. Uh, So us fans could accept that, his canon version. Um, And then now, of course, there's some really great canon novels out there that um, you can also get. Anyway, uh, moving on. The Emperor, of course, is always um, an antagonist. They're in the background. Um, You do get to see him in the world between worlds kind of pop up on one of the portals and try to destroy them with some electricity, but mm -hmm. you don't really get to see the Emperor being a main antagonist during it, you just know that he is one. <laughs> yeah. Um, voice acting is still done by the wonderful Ian McDermott. Um, so it's really great. Uh, same voice and everything. It's cool. Um, so, Maul. Yeah, Maul is actually a pretty big antagonist. He's not part of the imp. You, they have run-ins with him when Maul kind of tries to take Ezra as an apprentice. He's actually the one with the Darksaber that they end up getting back. You kind of just see a lot of him in different episodes, doing one thing or another. A lot of the times he's trying to seal Ezra for his apprentice. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know why, but he kind of just wants an apprentice. We see him again on Malachor. That's a Sith world. Um, Where he's kind of been trapped, it seems. Or he was brought there by the Force somehow and was waiting for Ezra. I don't think he was trapped. I think he was just there after being chased by um, the Inquisitor. Mm. And then he kind of runs into Ezra and... Like a Sith does, he's going to lie. He's going to make whatever story up he needs to to make Uh this person help him. Yeah, he calls himself an old master. Yes. And then he has Ezra help him because you need two Force users to get into this temple and unlock its secrets, which ends up being a holocron that Maul hopes to use and open to find out where Obi-Wan Kenobi is so he can go kill him because that's his only goal in life. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. you see these brief moments where it seems like Maul's like this deeper character, like spiritually even, and then no, mm. still just single-mindedly yeah. out for. <laughs> Eventually in the series, um, let's see, Kane, or I guess I probably shouldn't go into this yet. Do we talk about that in one of the episodes later? Did I'm not. We- if we don't talk about it, I'll bring it up. Okay. <laughs> Spoiler alert. No. <laughs> um, Darth Vader, of course, makes um, a few appearances in this. Some really good, like, menacing kind of moments, too. I think it was with him and Kanan, the mm-hmm. battle, right? And then, of course, a really epic battle. We'll talk about more in detail in a minute with yeah. his former Padawan. A few epic moments, but I wouldn't say you see him quite a bit. It's kind yeah. of just here bits there. here and there. And then another major, at least the first two-ish seasons, um, kind of a minion of the Empire. I don't know what his actual title was, um, but Callus. Um, he ends up being, a, he's a kind of a higher ranking yeah, person. Yeah, on Lothal on, specifically. Yeah. He's yeah. kind of a higher ranking person who is trying to take down their little ghost crew rebel cell. And obviously he fails time and time again and... The Empire kind of punishes him for that. And then later you see him and Zeb get stuck on an ice world and they kind of help each other out to survive. And then you kind of start seeing him become more and more, you know, towards the light side. Soft, maybe. Softer to the rebellion. And then eventually he ends up flipping to the rebellion side and becoming an agent known as Fulcrum, who provides information to the Rebellion. Yes, a spy. Spy agent. Yes. But starts out, I mean, at least the first half of the first season, or even the first whole season, he's probably the main antagonist. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Because it centers a lot around Lothal, and that's kind of like his uh, domain in charge Mm -hmm. of the... um, And Lothal, again, is Ezra's planet, it's very much centered the series around Lothal in different ways, spiritually and within the Empire's kind of struggle um, and the rebellion struggle against the Empire because they took it over to make weapons and mainly um, starfighters yeah. and um, yeah. So a lot of the people on Lothal are enslaved to make these mm-hmm. ships. So yeah. obviously, after Ezra's parents were killed, making the ships for. The rebellion. I believe Ezra's parents had like a broadcast uh-huh. telling people a message. Yeah, a message. Yeah. A rebellious message and that got them killed. And so he kind of is tied to the planet in that sense and wants it free because that's his home planet. It's where he grew up and it's kind of a main hub for the Empire in production of TIE fighters and different, you know, weapons of whatnot. 
So it's kind of a key place if you want to blow something up and hurt the Empire. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so we were going to talk about a few episodes of Note, and we had a really hard time picking um, <laughs> just a few episodes um, to talk about. <laughs> surprising? Mm-hmm. No, not surprising. <laughs> um, so we picked just a few for different reasons. Um, on episode nine of season one, um, I like this episode because I love when they kind of dive deeper into this force idea and what, what does it mean to be light side or dark side? And, um, I like this episode because it's one where Ezra, who's kind of learning about his powers, um, figures out he's got, um, this sensitivity toward animals. Um, and toward the end of this episode, uh, Kanan gets kind of almost defeated and, uh, Ezra is afraid and kind of summons some dark energy um, to bring this giant Frynok to his aid against Inquisitors. Um, and it, it you see, like, frightened faces on the Inquisitor. Um, and so it just kind of has this cool theme, um, some dramatic aspects to this episode. Um but you can tell Ezra's kind of toying with the dark side a little bit and it's being seduced a little. Um, so I liked that. Yeah, not to say that having a connection with the animals is like a dark side power, no, no. but certain certain users of the Force kind of have a predisposition to certain Force abilities. Like Ezra has one to being able to commune with animals and kind of get them to do what he wants. Like, you can see this come up a few more times in different episodes. Just him kind of having a force connection with different creatures, and then they kind of help him with his missions. And there's, like, other mm-hmm. force powers as well that people are sensitive to. Like, let's say, Cal Custis in the uh, video game, he can, like, touch a spot of importance and kind of get a flashback to something that might have happened with a certain object or place or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's certain kind of off-the-wall force abilities that some people are more sensitive to. Yeah, they explore them a lot more in books um, about other Jedi and and those kind of different force. And the new um, High Republic series actually explores it quite a bit more with some of the Jedi um, in those novels, um, that the way their kind of powers manifest through the force is super fascinating. If you want to geek out like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then... Jumping ahead to season two, the Siege of Lothal. Um, this is kind of uh, one time where you see Darth Vader um, in in animated form, just kind of kicking some ass. <laughs> and I don't know. Excuse my language. Um, beep. <laughs> um. Anyways, he. You know, it's an animated series, so you get to see, like, more of his manifestation of um, use of the Force and kind of his strategy and ruthlessness and and why he's really a Dark Lord of the Sith and feared. Yeah, it think- kind of is reminiscent for me because I kind of watch a lot of the Clone Wars and you can kind of see some of the movements that are, like, the same crossover because mm-hmm. a lot of the times you see Darth Vader in live action, he's not really... 
doing all that much. Yeah, he's very stiff. <laughs> yes, very stiff, not like agile and moving like Anakin would have been. Yeah. So that's kind of cool to see him in an animated form where I feel like when the older movies were made, they weren't made in a way where like that kind of movement was possible costume-wise. Yeah. So seeing him in the animated series, you can just kind of see him move in a more... Uh, yeah. awesome kind of way. <laughs> and he's a little more youthful here before mm-hmm. you see him in A New Hope. Yeah. Um, you know, so maybe he has a little bit more of that youthful Anakin Energy. prowess in mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of cool to see. So one of the coolest episodes of the entire series is in season two, episode 21, Twilight of the Apprentice. So you want to break this one down a little bit more? This is I, I would like favorite. to step back a little bit. Earlier in season two, we have Ahsoka revealed as oh, yeah. being Agent Fulcrum, and she kind of comes in and starts helping this rebel cell along with, obviously, she's providing intel for other rebel cells. Okay, this episode is, like, my favorite of the entire series, just because of one thing that I'll dive into a little bit later. But, um... Basically, they come to this Sith world, and it's called Malachor, and they're kind of going after... They find this Sith temple, Ezra, Kanan, and Ahsoka are all together, and they're kind of chasing some Inquisitors, I believe. Is that on they're doing? Yeah, they're chasing mm-hmm. some Inquisitors. And then Ezra kind of touches this dark side stone and falls through this, like, glass flooring, and then... You know, they kind of have a run-in with Darth Maul and and Kanan and Ahsoka chase after an Inquisitor. And Ezra is kind of left to get out of this hole he got trapped in. And he runs into Darth Maul. Who says, oh, I'm just an old master. I was stuck here and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, I need your help. I need another Force-sensitive person to get into this temple. And Ezra obviously helps him. And they find a holocron, which Darth Maul wants. But, you know, obviously Ahsoka and Kanan come up and start fighting Darth Maul and this and that. And then they are going for the holocron and Darth Vader pops up. And obviously Darth Vader wants the holocron as well. Oh, it's also of note that Kanan gets like kind of slashed in the eyes and is now blinded. (laughs) That's kind of an important thing to mention. There's a major kind of... Jedi Sith battle episode. Yes. It kind of... It is located in a place where an old... Maybe that might be touched in the High Republic novels. I'm not really sure what time this might have happened. But an old Sith and Jedi battle happened there. And there's like old lightsabers and bodies and all of this. And Ezra kind of has this moment where he asks, I wonder who won. And then Kanan's like, it looks like neither of them won. Because... What Yoda? Okay, I'm gonna. I'm going off on a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay, so they're going for the holocron. <laughs> and then, obviously, Darth Vader pops up, wants the holocron as well. And uh, Ezra and Kanan are kind of getting pulled toward Darth Vader, who's pulling the holocron towards him, using the Force. And then Ahsoka kind of comes out of nowhere and starts battling Darth Vader. And this is kind of like an interesting moment because. Before this happened, Ahsoka discovered that Darth Vader was actually Anakin by sensing him through the Force. And then she kind of passes out and is 
all shocked and yeah. So they kind of have an amazing emotional kind of duel. She actually like slashes his helmet and so you can see Anakin's face and his eye all Sith-like and you can like hear half of his voice through his mask that it's not just all Darth Vader's voice. It's partly Anakin's voice, so... Yeah, and he says some like his nickname he, for her. He says it or something, doesn't he? Um, no, he said the Padawan lives. Hmm. So the Padawan lives, and then she kind of has this moment that I really like. That kind of is a heart, is a love of mine. Um, but um, he basically says, "What did he say exactly?" I'm terrible at remembering exact quotes. He says something along the lines of. She says, no, 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 he says, (laughs) he says, Anakin was weak, I killed him. And then she's like, well, then I will avenge his death. And he's like, something along the lines of, that's not something, that's not the Jedi way. And then she says, I am no Jedi, which I love. Mm Because my my feelings on the Jedi are, they shouldn't exist, it shouldn't exist. Somewhere in the middle is the good balance which we'll later talk on in Creature of Balance, but uh-huh. it's a later episode. Anyways, <laughs> rabbit hole again. So they have a duel. Um, Ahsoka pushes Ezra and Kanan out of the temple that's kind of collapsing in on itself to save them. And they escape. And then, you know, her and Darth Vader are kind of dueling. And then the temple is destroyed. And Ahsoka is presumed to be dead. Yeah, They presume her dead, you know. In all intents and purposes, anyone would think she is dead. Because mm-hmm. you so. see Vader walk away mm-hmm. um, from this destroyed temple, yeah, and that's it. So you assume if she'd been alive, he would have sensed her or whatever, right? So yeah. it, we just assume we've lost Ahsoka forever here. Which is terrible. Um, and then Mal- uh, Maul, of course, is able to flee Malachor mm-hmm. um, to come another day. And Ezra... Ezra ends up with the holocron and opened it, right? I think you can't open it. You have to have two people open it. So Maul and Ezra end up getting together in a later episode. I'm not sure which one it is exactly, but he said he basically convinces Ezra that if you want the answers you're trying to seek, which is how to stop the Empire for Ezra and where is Obi-Wan Kenobi for Maul, then you have to help me open this holocron. So Ezra agrees in the middle of opening it where they got part of their answers. Kanan stops Ezra from fully turning to the dark side by using this dark side holocron. Mm -hmm. And they kind of see a planet with two moons. Okay, wait, we'll get to that. That's that's one of my favorite episodes, too. It's on my (laughs) list. Um, But I forgot. I skipped ahead a little bit. We didn't talk about the honorable ones, which Callus, which we mentioned was the Empire's kind of person on Lothal and Zeb get trapped on the frozen Geonosis moon together. Um, And this is that moment she talked about earlier where um, we see Callus kind of forced to cooperate with an enemy to survive. And they start like talking, of course, and you start to find out some more hidden things and that maybe not all of the empire is bad and maybe there's, um, you know, you start to see a little change in the character of, of this villain, Callus, when he's been trapped and working together with Zeb. 
Yeah, it's kind of a thing where he begins to lose hope for the Empire coming to rescue him. And so Zeb ends up being the one who rescues him because I'm pretty sure Callus's leg is broken. So he can't really do anything. And then they have to, like, escape this monster in this cave and... Yeah. Then they end up rescuing him, not the Empire. So, you know, it's kind yeah. of like a... Makes him kind of think. Yeah. Like, well, who am I? Why am I being loyal to this? Why am I fighting these people who just saved my life? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then I also mentioned just checking out maybe Hera's Heroes, Season 3, Episode 5, because this is when Hera and Gran Admiral Thrawn kind of have that standoff. Um, and, and you really see more of um, Thrawn's character here, um, and and the very beginnings of kind of this deep seated rivalry that mm, we'll talk about later. <laughs> that maybe some tie in action happening. So that's a cool Thrawny episode. Anybody that wants to peep at Thrawn before yeah. he hits the live action screen potentially? Yeah, well, I think it's not a potentially. He's already got a name <laughs> yeah. dropped. Yeah. In the, so. yeah. We'll see. Yeah. That's who Ahsoka's going after in the yeah. new series. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, so then we come to Season 3, Episode 11. It's called Visions and Voices. And I mention this because anytime we get to see a cool new um, creature, um, especially one that maybe has some sentientness to it, some some tie to the Force. Um, anyway, I just really like the Bendu. So the we got to talk about the Bendu. <laughs> and then... This is also a very pivotal episode for the Darksaber. Mm -hmm. So to touch on the Bendu, I'll touch on the Bendu. The Bendu is kind of like a force-using creature, kind of like the sister and the brother that we see a bit of in the Clone Wars, which the brother is the manifestation of the dark side and the sister is the manifestation of the light side. And the father is kind of just trying to keep both of them in check. The Bendu is something kind of in between entirely where he's not the dark side not the light side he's somewhere in the middle in my opinion i mean Mm -hmm. this is my opinion (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh he's kind of like do the right thing but you don't have to fall into this exact perception of what the light side is and i feel like that kind of helps kanan kind of see things in a new way because at this point kanan can't see and he's kind of battling with that and I feel like the Bendu helps him out a lot. Maybe mm-hmm. not in this episode specifically, but in past ones, I'm not sure where he pops up. Yeah. Um, this is also a moment where Ezra is still kind of struggling. And he's got the holocron. Um, and Maul pops back up. He starts seeing Maul. He thinks he sees Maul because obviously Maul wants to try to get him and mm-hmm. see the full vision again. And So Maul keeps popping up and he'll like slash his lightsaber at him or blast him and then it'll turn out Maul wasn't there and he almost injured people. So Ezra starts losing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but he does actually physically show back up in this mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. And this is where he convinces Ezra to go to Dathomir mm-hmm. um, to get some access to dark magic to help them see fully in the hol- holocron what Maul wants to see. Um, so they're there, they're attacked by the Night Sister um, spirits, and Kanan and Sabine end up arriving to try and, and find Ezra. 
um, and end up possessed by the Night Sisters and made to attack Ezra and Maul. Maul escapes. Ezra uses his uh, powers to kind of get Sabine out of the way and then works his cunning abilities, his old street kids kind of manipulation on the Night Sisters to get Kanan freed, ends up destroying their power. And in the midst of all of this, as they're leaving, Sabine grabs the Darksaber that had been used by Maul. Which you see in the Clone Wars series, yep. and that's kind of how he ends up being able to rule the, well, not rule, but become the leader mm-hmm. of uh, Death Watch. Um, so, um, Ezra has the vision, um, has some kind of vision about uh, how to defeat the Sith, right? He wanted to know how to destroy the Empire, and Maul wanted to know where Obi-Wan was. Yeah, so they're kind of all one and the same in this vision mashup. Yeah, because um, obviously Luke is how to destroy the Empire, and Obi-Wan is watching over Luke. So they yeah. both see a planet with two suns along with some other random visions. Yeah. So and Maul is basically like, ah, it ends where it all began. Yeah, and so. you're like, ah! You know, this is a cool <laughs> episode for fans, because yeah. you're like, ah, oh my gosh! <laughs> what does this mean? So, yeah. obviously, uh, so. Ezra doesn't know where the heck this is. There's yeah. a lot of planets with two suns. Yeah. But, obviously, Maul does, so he rushes yeah. off. And I'm not sure if that was the end of this episode where he goes no, to Tatooine. No, we get five more episodes in oh, between. Oh, quite a few more. <laughs> quite a bit later, because um, we go right into the Trials of the Darksaber. So, that's where Sabine... Sabine gets the Darksaber, and she knows that is... That's the weapon that can unite her people, but she has to know how to wield it properly and use it in battle, because battle is kind of what her people know to move them up the ranks and lead the people. Mm-hmm. So, Kanan and Ezra are kind of training her how to use a lightsaber, which is not something she's used to doing. So, you know, it's kind of a different kind of lightsaber to it, like, mm-hmm. becomes the length that is needed for the user... It kind of interacts with what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So this episode, we kind of dive into her past. We, this is where we learn a lot more about her, her struggles with guilt, um, and some emotional stuff come up. Um, and that's kind of a turning point for her character, too, as far as, like, growth. Yeah, accepting yeah. what happened to her. Yeah. So then we roll into the legacy of Mandalore, uh, which... We don't have to touch on a whole lot, but basically, obviously, it's got Mandalore in the title. You should be watching it for some backstory um, if you really loved The Mandalorian. Again, this is kind of like back on Mandalore, like the battle for who's ruling the planet, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) Um, Is this the one where that was the episode where she gifts the lightsaber to uh, Bokatan? I don't believe so. I no? I don't remember the exact episodes and what happens in individual ones. Um, oh, no. That's happens. in the Heroes of Mandalore. So that's um, the be- very beginning of season four. Okay. Um, I was getting those mixed up for a second. I have to look at my notes here. That's why I have notes. <laughs> they all start smushing together. Um, so now season three has a lot of our favorites. Sorry, guys. Uh, one of my favorites is episode 18, um, Mon Matha. Um, ends up being on the ship with Hera. Um, 
And she used to be part of the uh, Senate, yeah. and then she ended up speaking out against the Senate, so she went on the run from the Empire because yeah. she wasn't just being a little puppet for them to use. So, obviously, they're after her, so they help her escape. Yep. And so this is uh, kind of a pivotal role for the rebellion forming, basically, is that speech that she gives that kind of brings some of these independent planets and places that were rebelling kind of together. It was like a call to action. Anyway, she's, it's got a really cool speech in it, and it's one of those kind of inspiring rebellion moments in this episode. Um, and I think that's really where, too, Hera, um, you know, kind of solidifies her place in the rebellion as well, in aligning mm-hmm. herself with Mon Mothma and everything, um, and their tie-ins with Fulcrum. So... So then, Twin Sons, episode 20 of season three. Oh, this is... Yeah, it's a good one. This is probably <laughs> well, my favorite. Um, well, it's such a short scene, though. How could it be the favorite? I don't know. I say that about every episode. <laughs> this is probably my favorite. No. Uh, so, Twin Sons. Um, so, Ezra is, of course, tricked uh, by Darth Maul into leading him to Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine. I think, like, how you first see Obi-Wan Kenobi is kind of cool, just mm-hmm. to see, like, what is Obi-Wan Kenobi doing all this time? You just see him sitting around a campfire. Yeah. <laughs> he's, just, he's just sitting around a campfire, and uh-huh. then, you know, Maul rolls up and obviously wants to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi, but it doesn't quite go how Maul suspects, because of obvious reasons. And then, you know, Maul is kind of like the arch nemesis for Obi-Wan. Yeah. Oh, Maul killed his, the love of his life that he would have ran away from the Jedi Order to be with, and his master. So, yeah. like, probably the two most, Important. well, some of the two most crucial people yeah. were killed by Maul. Yep. Mm-hmm. But so, Maul- Clone Wars, Duchess Satine, if you haven't mm-hmm. watched Clone Wars, yeah. <laughs> you think that, you know, Anakin was the only one that was, you know, potentially love involved in and drawing them away from the Jedi Order, there's also yeah. a reason that I think him and Obi Wan were were paired up. Yeah, but. and there's a reason why Obi Wan probably didn't tell the Jedi Order about him and Padme. Because yeah. I mean, let's be honest, they were pretty obvious about it. Yeah. <laughs> so and of course Maul, you know, at the episode one kills Qui Gon yeah. right in front of him. Yeah. So um, And then he ends up cutting him in half. He thought he killed him, but he didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then... So he... It's a pretty quick battle, but there's some bantering that happens. And then there's, like, one of the most just... Other than that battle with Ahsoka and Vader, you know, one of those moments where I'm just, like, crying in in this series where I'm like, oh, my God! So Obi-Wan's kill pretty much has give the dying blow to Maul. Um, But Maul's laying there. Obi-Wan comes up and, like, cradles his head in his lap. With, like, this compassion and this, like, um, just sensitivity. And it's, you know, like the epitome of a, of a Jedi and still, um, you know, having compassion for the universe. And it's heartbreaking and beautiful and just, like, oh, the feels. <laughs> okay, so then we're on to the beginning of Season 4, The Heroes of Mandalore. Um, so this is where Sabine, Kanan, and Ezra lead Clan Wren in a raid on Clan Saxon's outpost to rescue Sabine's father. 
who's been captured on behalf of the Empire. Um, they the... end up rescued after they get into a trap situation by Bo-Katan. Yep. And uh, Bo-Katan, for those of you who might not know, but I think we've touched on this before, is the sister of Duchess Satine, who is um, Obi-Wan's would-have-been mistress, I, I guess. Love. I don't really know. Love. love. I don't know. I, whatever. Yeah, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So she is technically the rightful leader of the Mandalorian people after her sister was killed, but, you know, things didn't really turn out in her favor after that happened for the most part. Yeah. Until they did, and then they didn't again, and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, Sabine at this time attempts to give her the Darksaber. Bo-Katan refuses. There's a few key uh, additional things that happen. Um, and this is the one... With the weapon, right? Is this the one where the ultimate weapon? This is the one where she's captured to try and fix that weapon for them. And it doesn't go their way. And then by the end of this, this is a two-episode arc here, the Heroes of Mandalore. So I believe by the end of the second episode, um, Bo-Katan does accept, finally, the Darksaber from her. Yeah. (laughs) So... That's the episode where, you know, she's supposed to fix this weapon and then turns the weapon on um, all of the stormtroopers on the planet, basically. And so, in essence, freed her people, kind of. And then uh, Bo-Katan is left, in theory, to rule the planet with the Darksaber. Although we know something happens. And the Darksaber's taken and she's no longer in But we don't know where, what yeah. happens exactly. Did, yeah. How did that happen? Mandalore was supposedly destroyed, and it's a desert wasteland, and yeah. obviously so. the Darksaber is taken from her. So. This is the last time we see the Darksaber, until we see it come back in The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And so, that's why it did not make sense to us when Moff Gideon was talking about how she can't just accept the Darksaber, because mm-hmm. we're like, of course she can. She's, she's already done it. Yeah, <laughs> she's done it before. Why can't she? So, we need some backstory here that we hope are, we're going to see in, in, in the future. Yeah, here. yeah. You hear us, please? Backstory? Yeah. Why? Yes, we Ex- need answers. Explanations? We don't like these. We don't like retcons? Yeah. Okay. You, already, you already did that to us before with Ahsoka. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, then we go into um, lots of other stuff in episode or season four, but Jedi Knight, which is spelled N-I-G-H-T, is episode 10 of this season. And this is a heartbreaking episode for Ezra and the whole team. Because, spoiler alert, plug your ears now, Kanan dies. Basically sacrifices himself um, to save the people he loved. Um, it's very bittersweet and so heart-wrenching because... Like, Hera and him had just declared their love for each other. So they hadn't, They there's been kind of this little, like... Are they going to get together magnetic, kind of back and forth, yeah. like, you know, love kind of thing. Like, friends, but flirty, and, you know, you know there's something there, but they're just not admitting it to themselves. Yeah. Well, they finally stink and admit it to themselves, and he sacrifices himself. <laughs> yep, to save them all. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Ugh, yeah there was, like, rough. they were kind of, I figure what they were doing. They were basically trying to destroy the plant that was making all the... Yeah, yeah they, okay, they were trying to a- destroy the plant that was making all the TIE Fighters... 
there was some unexpected big explosion. The fuel pod yeah. ignites or something. And Kanan jumps out. He is able to use the force to push the explosion back long enough to push the plane away. And as they're like, as he's pushing the plane away, you can see his eyes kind of. Clear the up. force gives him his eyesight back, so he can look at Hera one last time. And it's like, oh, yeah. I, and this then was another he episode explodes and dies. Yeah. Oh, the feels. There's quite yeah. a few of these. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, Force Ghost now, right? Yeah, Guiding I mean, Ezra potentially, potentially in the Force. Yeah. Um, so that brings us right into, um, give or take, an episode or two. Episode 13 of Season 4, A World Between Worlds. And you've heard us talk about this before. This is one of those very spiritual, um, one of these, like, peeks into the secretness of the Force in a way. Yeah, it's kind of like Force... Force... Ah, gosh. Convergence? Yeah, I guess convergence is what you might call it. It's kind of like a place of pure force energy that's like a physical place but isn't at the same time. And it's like in between everything and nothing at the same time. It's like weird force place. Yeah. Yeah, so. It's not like a force planet, though, like you see them go to in episode nine. It's, It's not really like a place you can travel to physically with a ship. Yeah. It's somewhere where you have to go into a portal and you'll be taken there, but you have to like know exactly what to do to get into the world between worlds. Cause, yeah. yeah. It's not just meant for anybody. Yeah, exactly. So we see here Palpatine again. Um, and, and this is a scary moment because Ezra's in this world between worlds. Wait, wait, wait. You skipped a part. I know. Before you see Palpatine, you see Ezra kind of walking around in this world between worlds. And you actually see uh, Ahsoka's little bird that kind of is like her spirit kind of animal. Spirit animal, yeah. I guess <laughs> that's how I always call yeah, it. Yeah, I guess it's like a spirit <laughs> animal. But you kind of see it, and you see Ezra kind of walking around, seeing different events through some portals in the Force. And he sees Ahsoka dueling Darth Vader back on that planet. Uh, what was it called? Whatever it was called, back on that planet where she was dueling Darth Vader in a Sith temple. He sees this duel, and then he sees, like, the ground start to be destroyed, and the place is going down. So he reaches through this portal and pulls Ahsoka out of there. So she's alive. Yeah. And, and now it, she's in the world between worlds. Yeah. You look him. back at that moment. It's like the exact moment in replay. Mm-hmm. Right? So, exactly. But so, from a different angle. Yeah. So he pretty much snatches her through, like, a time portal, mm-hmm. for lack of better Force, term. Force, time, mm-hmm. portal, I don't know. Yeah. So you know this place has the ability to access all kinds of things in the mm-hmm. Force. And um, so when you start to hear Palpatine laughing maniacally, like you kind of go, what? Oh, no. Yeah. What's yeah. going on? Oh, no. Um, you know, and of course he's not happy with just ruling the galaxy. He wants to rule all space and time. <laughs> he craves absolute power. Um yeah, I believe so, he's trying to break through a portal, but the Force doesn't want him to, or he doesn't know how, but he's able to, like, shoot lightning into it, and, like, it, the lightning starts chasing Ezra and Ahsoka, and they're, like, running, and... Yeah. I... Oh, gosh, what happened? Palpatine, defi- Palpatine definitely didn't get into the world between worlds, but he can access it in a sense... It's almost like he needs somebody else to be able to do it. Like with the Sith Temple, 
being able to mm. access to get to the holocron, you needed two. I honestly believe that the Force chooses who can enter the world between worlds. Mm. And they do not want Palpatine in there. Yeah. Or obviously. it does not want Palpatine in there. Yeah. But, yeah. So, Palpatine tries to break in. Can't. And um, then Ezra and Ahsoka start running. And is it here where Ezra gets lost? Is mm. it later? Um, so, basically, they run. I believe Ahsoka escapes out of one portal. And then, like, you see the electricity or force lightning kind of dissipate around the portal because it can't go through the portal that she just exited. Mm. And then I think Ezra runs off in a different direction, right? And he yeah. kind of he kind of gets trapped somewhere we don't know where. And then at the very end of the last episode of the Rebel series, before I get to this, is there something else you want to go over? No, just that in that moment he also realizes he could have gotten Kanan. But he didn't, yeah. But he has the struggle with change. Yeah, it saved all of his friends, too. So, like, yeah, he so had to he, honor that sacrifice. Yeah, if he had saved Kanan, mm-hmm. the rest of his friends would have died instead. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. internal struggle. Yeah. So then but, there's three episodes left to the end, A Fool's Hope, and then I think... Um, that's just more of struggling with the Empire. So then the last two episodes of the season... He's lost. Ezra is gone. Yes. Yeah. And Ahsoka didn't come back to the Rebels. Yeah. And then you kind of just get like these end kind of key points as the Empire is falling type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you just see the Rebel cell do this and that, and figure what happens exactly in the last two episodes. Um. Price. Oh, I forgot to mention she was kind of a pivotal oh, yeah. antagonist as well. Whoops. Governor Price. Governor Price. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, their struggle um, with Thrawn and Ezra. Uh, Price. So epic battles with Thrawn. Um, but then isn't the end of the episode, the very last scene that we see... Isn't that where... Yeah, that's, that's like, the gray. Yeah, Yeah. so I think we can go there now. Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) Last episode is kind of like Sabine on Lothal, and this is after the Empire fell, so she's kind of holding up Ezra's legacy and making sure that Lothal is safe and everything's well there, and you kind of just see her look at this, like, mural on the wall of the ghost crew, and she kind of, like, looks at Ezra's picture and then... She eventually turns around and she sees Ahsoka in, like, a white cloak with a long staff with, like, a little ring at the end of it. Just looking like Gandalf the Grey. Yeah. Or Gandalf the White, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, you know, kind of like, oh, esque. And uh, so she turns around and, you know, it's just kind of said without being said that they're going to go find Ezra. I think she mm-hmm. says something a little bit before, like... Where are you? Where I need to find you? I forget what her exact quote is. But it's kind of obvious that them two are now going to find Ezra. And then that's it. (laughs) Nothing else. You just get to see her standing there and then Mm -hmm. nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So then she pops back up again. Oh, well, I forgot to mention 
that um, we also kind of get a fast forward, right? We get a fast forward and we see that Hera has given birth to Canaan's oh, yes, son. That's right. Jason Sandula. Yeah, and he kind of has blue eyes and he mm-hmm. looks he looks human, but uh-huh. like not human at the same time. Yeah. So then we see the ghost, the ship, presumably Hera and Jason pop up in different places um, throughout the films. Um, Rogue One, mm-hmm. um, the Battle of Endor. So we assume she's still somewhere, um, you know, in the struggle against the Empire. With her new son. With her son. Who might be Force-sensitive. Who could very well be. Mm-hmm. So, now this brings us to our speculation. Specs. As we like to call now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we saw Ahsoka pop into Mandalorian as a live-action entity, which ah. was awesome. Which And we brought up the question... Okay, well then, where's Sabine? And where's Ezra? So did they find my, him? My thought is, did they, what happened between this time period? Yeah, we need yeah, more. Exactly. We need backstory. Anyways, this is my theory. They found Ezra. Ezra goes to train Kanan and Hera's new son, be his mentor, and train him in the Force. While Sabine is likely doing something Mandalorian-esque, trying or trying to destroy the new whatever the heck bad guy but i think she's probably trying to bring back some kind of mandalorian whatever like she might be one of bo katan's disciples or i'm not really sure on her Mm. part she could be doing a number of things but my theory on ezra is that he is training kanan's and Hera's son in the force i was hoping that he'd pop up and take grogu but you know it doesn't really turn out yeah, but we think he might pop up because mm-hmm. there's a lot of pretty solid casting rumors mm-hmm. um, that he has been cast for, we assume, the Ahsoka series. Yeah, um, I don't see why he would go into a Mandalorian series. Yeah. Personally, I think I see Sabine, be, maybe. Maybe being a crossover kind of character yeah. because she has connections and tie-ins with Ahsoka, and she has tie-ins and connections with Mandalore. And Mandalorians, specifically yeah. Bo-Katan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And so it is rumored there's going to be crossover events, kind of like some of the Marvel and DC shows that, where there's these separate shows, but there'll be these major, like, crossovers for, like, battles with the ultimate baddie, which could be mm-hmm. Thrawn. Yeah. Still yeah. floating around somewhere. Um, and, you know, obviously Ahsoka's after him for a reason, so did he capture... Sabine or Ezra, and that's how... Anyway, we haven't heard anything, not a peep, about Sabine. Which is weird. Weird. Very weird. Very odd. So, who knows what that surprise will hold. But then, most recently, we're hearing, because of some shakeups in the Mandalorian casting, um, that one of those members who was going to go into the... Uh, what was the series? The Fighters... The X-Wings, the... Oh, my gosh. Why am I... The live uh, action. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Why am I not the... Oh, my gosh. Just you know what we're talking about. Yeah. Fighters. Anyway, so Cara Dune's character um, was rumored to be, you know, pivotal in that show. So there is a new theory floating around that maybe we could see Hera and have this... Squadron? Hmm? Squadron? Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so... <laughs> Yeah, I could see that, because she has kind of 
a lot of tie-ins with them. And you actually see the ghost in, like, the final fight scene of um, episode 9. And you also see them, that ship, take off from the planet that they're at. Remember? Yeah. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, no, it lands on the planet yeah. after the battle. Yes. Yeah. And then I'm, mm-hmm. like, looking everywhere, like, where's Hera? <laughs> and yeah. then you don't see her, but, you know. So, the theory is perhaps that was Jason piloting that ship then, mm-hmm. you know, because Hera would be kind of an older lady in a way. Um, eh, kind of. Mm-hmm. Not, like, super old. Definitely not older than, like, Leia. Well, That's true. They would have been similar in age. Yeah. yeah. hmm But who knows? Yeah. So, my theory is that was Jason. That was their son. Um, so, maybe we did see him when we just didn't know it was him to know. Yeah. And maybe we will see... Anyway. Oh, one thing about Ahsoka on, like, the age thing, it's, like, kind of impossible to know how old Ahsoka is because she was pulled into the world between worlds. Yeah. So, it's, like, when she was pulled between the world between worlds and then put out on another side of a portal, we don't know when that portal was, we don't know where it was, Mm -hmm. we don't know, maybe she popped out, like literally a day before she showed up on the last episode like so there's like not really a way to know how old she is anymore yeah that's true unless we get some kind of confirmation because of the world between worlds Mm, interesting that's something that was going through my mind that i just had to say okay cool yeah so um any other speculations about the potential crossover um and how the rebel series could affect things I don't feel like they are going to show um, Zeb just because he would be kind of hard to pull off in live action. I feel like Chopper and Hera and her son might pop up, probably in that squadron show. Could be. That mm-hmm. possible. Because she was such a skilled pilot. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes sense that maybe she's still out there training yeah. other pilots. Exactly. And then I feel like Ezra and Sabine are likely to, well, Ezra specifically is likely to show up in the Ahsoka Tana show. And then I feel like Sabine could probably be, like, kind of a crossover character that could tie both of them together, because she has kind of a deep relationship with both of them, and then, you know, they've been through a lot together, so she might, like, ask them for help, or they might ask her for help, or something like that might happen, or they might just be after the same bad guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like and, that. And, you know, Filoni is uh, deeply embedded in all of these shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that he's going to um, do justice to some of these kind of tie-ins. So we're excited. Bring it. Bring it, Filoni. We're here for you. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I, need, right. I need, like, a little time bridge there. I need to know what happened after the Rebel series. Yeah. I need to know. We had always hoped that after Clone Wars came out with that newer final season, mm-hmm. that maybe we'd just been kind of waiting for an announcement about them doing a kind of another season of The Rebels. But then mm-hmm. the Mandalorian stuff started kicking in, and we're like, hmm, so maybe we're going to get all of these answers in the live-action shows. Yeah. And it seems like now that they've announced Ahsoka series, that we're definitely going to hopefully find out what happened in between. Yep, it'd be nice. So, stick around for other Force Fridays um, between now and then, as we'll dive a little deeper into other Star Wars content for you guys. And then, of course, as these new series roll out, um, which this summer, hopefully, end of this summer, I think, we're supposed to get. I don't know. Anyways, the Andor series is filming. We're just wrapped up filming, so 
Um, you know, maybe maybe we could even see some crossover in that. Maybe a little mm-hmm. bit. That would be interesting. Well, I mean, he's rumored to be a fulcrum agent, which is mm-hmm. just like yeah, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be like a spy base series. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is where we start to see that moniker a little bit. Yeah, maybe, and it's probably like around the time when Ahsoka was a spy for yeah. The Rebellion, mm-hmm. so I mean, mm-hmm. we could see some Ahsoka in there, too. And the Obi-Wan series that's coming out falls right smack in the middle of that episode with Maul, mm-hmm. that time period, so... We I might mean, get a more in-depth picture of what happened. Yes, and maybe, please. And maybe Obi-Wan can, like, sense what's happening in the Force, so mm-hmm. he goes off into a desolate area and waits around a campfire for him. Yep, you to know. draw him away from Luke. Yep, and then obviously, you know... Whatever else he might face on Tatooine. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of slug man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see all of this. I'm yes. here for all of it. So, anyways, thank you everybody for sitting through this um, mm-hmm. <laughs> episode that ends up being way longer than we expect it to. Yeah, we were like, um, oh, it's going to just be a little short talk. We'll yeah, no, that. it never yeah, is yeah. with us. So, um, thanks for hanging in there, guys. We appreciate you listening mm-hmm. and. Um, you can catch us on Walt's Apartment live on Facebook on Wednesday evenings. Um, and then Jade and I, whenever we can get to it. Um, kind of find something to talk about for an hour. <laughs> uh-huh. We, which isn't hard, but it's hard for us because we like to do some research. And we like to, um, you know, we have busy lives too outside of just talking about Star Wars. Wish we didn't, but it's it's true. It's life. So, we are trying to bring you Force Fridays as much as possible. Can't promise that it'll be every Friday or even every other Friday, but once in a while, you'll be surprised by a Force Friday episode like this one. So, thanks for hanging (laughs) in, guys. See you soon. That is until a new series comes out, then we're going to have to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, we'll make the time for that to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Night all! Mm